Lord's been teaching me a lot, all the way from since I was little, growing up. And um, throughout talking about my life growing up, I'll talk about how God is very trustworthy and the lessons that God has taught me um, in learning to trust him. So this is simply trusting. So I was told that, I'm going to set this over here. I was told that I was supposed to help you all get to know me better since I didn't grow up here in this church. And Pastor wanted you to know more of my passions. So hopefully by the time I'm done talking, you will know me a little bit better. <laughs> um, like I said, my life has really has been an ongoing journey of learning to trust the Lord and that he is good and that he truly loves me personally and that he is worthy to be trusted. And I'm definitely still on this journey, but continuing to learn. So I'll start with giving you some stories from my past so that you can understand a little bit more of what I've gone through and, and then and how God has used each season of my life, even up to today, to bring me closer to him. So I was born, as you know, in Cameroon, Africa, a town called Banso. And um, grew up there. I was saved when I was um, six. Oh, at six years old, mom, mom came and talked to me about salvation. She, she gave the gospel a lot to April and I, my twin sister, April. And I, we heard the gospel a lot growing up. And when I was five, April trusted in Christ. And mom asked if I wanted to. And I said, no, I wanted to put it off. So then later, I finally trusted in Christ, and she, she told me, she asked me again if I wanted to be saved, and I said, okay. And so I prayed, and later I doubted that, and I wondered if God had really saved me. So then there were some times, I think it was around 11 or 12, I was tried to sleep at night, couldn't sleep. Like, am I really saved, or am I, am I really not? I, don't, I didn't know. So then there was one time, a Sunday, my sister Kathy was teaching Sunday school, and I, she showed a picture of somebody who was chained to the ground in sin. And so I felt like I was that person in sin and didn't, uh, I wasn't free and wanted to be free. She showed another picture of somebody up on a wall, free. And I so wanted to, wanted to be free like that. So we were walking home and I got way behind the others. So I was just walking in the hills, Cameroon by myself and just cried out to the Lord. And he gave me the verse, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. And I realized... I believe in him, therefore I'm saved. And it was just such joy, just knowing 100% sure I was on my way to heaven. So that was a huge, huge blessing to me, just to know that for sure. So some fun stories I had. I would, I would go out to the remote places in the, in the jungle with my sisters a lot of times and with the nationals to go out and, and tell people the gospel out there. And 
there was one time, it was kind of a funny story. The, one, the, my sisters and I, we decided to bring a tent with us. You do, you don't, we don't usually bring tents because the people there are so hospitable, we just stay in their houses. Well, Sarah, my sister, had a good idea to bring a tent, and so she brought a two-person tent. She made a backpack out of it, and we all hiked out there. We got there, we told them we had a tent we could sleep in, and there were seven of us girls, and they had the idea that we, they thought all of us would sleep in the two-person tent, which that's, we were hoping maybe just like two of us would stay in there, but then that ended up happening, so there were seven of us girls trying to sleep in a two-person tent. <laughs> one of the most miserable nights. One of us, well, one or two of us couldn't, couldn't lay down the whole night long. <laughs> we took turns. <laughs> that was kind of funny. And then Elizabeth in the morning, she finally just went outside and arranged all of our dirty shoes in a line and slept on them. But then there was a mouse that came and scared her away. So she just went out and <laughs> sat on the stump for the rest of the morning. <laughs> um, there's other places we like to hike too, just adventure kind of hikes. We'd go out from our home, we'd hike into the mountains, and there's like five different waterfalls we can see right from our house. It's a really beautiful place where we used to live in the English park. So we would hike up to those, hit those waterfalls, and there was one especially I like to go to, there was a cave behind it, and we'd find old pottery and such back there. So basically growing up in the mountains, we just kind of had the mountains to ourselves. We'd just go out and hike wherever, and find people, the gospel and such. It was, I really enjoyed growing up there. And we homeschooled. So I basically was kind of on my own schedule with school, kind of figured out my own plan to get done on time and such. And I really enjoyed being outside and, and doing school outside. There was one time I would, well, several times, I would go up on top of our zinc roof. I would climb up a tree right beside our house and get onto the zinc. And there was like these, um, how do you call it, these nails. So every so far apart, on the zinc roof, but with a flat, like the nails were flat. And then, so I could only step on those nails in order to not dent the zinc. <laughs> so then I'd walk along the whole roof, side of the roof up to the chimney. I'd climb up on the chimney and do school up there on the chimney. <laughs> but there's, I enjoyed all those things. And then there were some things I did that were not quite so smart either. Like um, there was one time there was like a ledge probably about this high, but then it was twice as high on the other side, and I would just, it was probably about this wide too, and I would just jump over for the fun of it, and land over on the grass on the other side. So I do it over and over again, just, just for the fun of it. And then it got kind of boring, so I decided my friends would throw a ball while I jumped over. So they threw the ball and I caught the ball, but I tripped on the ledge, I did a whole flip in the air and landed on the ground on the other side. That wasn't so smart. But um, yeah, there were some, quite a few dangerous things I've done. Like, um, there was a rushing river out in Aquia, and Elizabeth said, my sister Elizabeth, she said, why don't we just, like, swim across it for fun of it? And I said, sure. So we swam across this rushing river. We ended up way downstream, which we kind of knew that was going to happen, but probably not the most smart thing to do. <laughs> I enjoyed it, though. <laughs> um, when I led my first soul to Christ, that was really a neat thing for me. Um, my sister Elizabeth, again, was she was praying for me that I would be able to lead my first soul to the Lord. And so I started praying about it, and I was just so nervous. I get so nervous telling the gospel to people. But I knew I needed to. So there was one time we had a, a netcasters um, program out in Cameroon. Pastor Mark Gilmer would come, came out and did that. So I started praying every day that God would be able to lead my first person to the Lord. And the Lord answered that prayer, got to lead my five five first people to the Lord that week. 
and it was just really neat for me. I called up Elizabeth and I told her, guess what, led my first soul to the to Christ. <laughs> so that was neat, it was um, neat what God did there. And I also got to go to, after that, I really started getting more of a burden for souls and really wanting to go out on these trips and start churches and such. So there was one church plant I got to help with, it was in a place called Chuku. And every Sunday after church, those of us in the church, whoever wanted to, would jump in the car, we'd fill up the car, a whole bunch of us, like, packed in the car. We didn't have to wear seatbelts and all those rules. We just packed in as many as could fit. And we'd go out and we'd um, start this church. We'd go to a house and we'd go into the, well, we had connections with this person, so we'd use their house. And then we'd go out and invite people to come to that house and we would preach there and I got to help with the children. That was a really neat experience growing up. And then I'd go out to villages in Aquaya on Monteville. It was one of them, and we'd have holiday Bible schools, and it was really uh, neat. I got to help teach like kids in the school. We'd go actually to the school, and we'd have the holiday Bible school there, so the whole building was full of kids, and, and just teaching Sunday school songs, and teaching the wordless book and different things like that. That was just really neat for me to see that and see many, peop many people come to Christ. There was one, one thing I thought of right when I first started the seeing people saved was, well, I, we were driving in the car and there's so, so many people. It's like, it's not, it's, it's not the same as here because here everyone's kind of in their houses doing whatever, working their job, whatever they're doing. But out there, just everyone's out in the open and selling and buying and walking everywhere, just people everywhere. And even on the roads, there's people going in and out of the cars as the cars are driving down the road. <laughs> and I just remember seeing all those people as we were driving, and I thought, wow, there's so many people. Can we tell every single one of them? Is that even possible? <laughs> I just remember thinking that as a little girl. And um, I started giving giving the gospel a lot, but there was, I always still had that feeling of nervousness to be able to give the gospel. And it was, wasn't always hard. It had to be a deliberate choice to just go and do it. And there's a song that says, across the street or across the sea, here am I, O Lord, send me. And I remember thinking about that and thinking, wow, I am already across the sea. I'm growing up across the sea but I still have to go across the street. And that's such a deliberate choice. Like some, I think some people think it's so easy for, for missionaries out there. The people are everywhere, you just go get the gospel. But it was, it's not easy. It's the same thing as here. It's just like we still have to make that deliberate choice to go and talk to somebody. <laughs> and um, There were several times when I saw people actually go on for the Lord. There were times when I didn't. But it was really neat those times that I saw them go on. There was one girl um, outside our church. We were about to have a church at the one, the one I grew up in. It was called Living Hope Baptist Church there in Sabga, where I grew up. And we were about to start, and I saw a young girl standing outside, and the Lord showed me, told me I need to go talk to her. And I thought, well, the church is about to start, and, and she's just walking by, and all these thoughts, like it was just such a battle in my mind to go talk to her. <laughs> but finally, I went and I went and talked to her, and it was kind of in the there was open windows too, so people in the church could see me. And it's like I was so nervous. <laughs> so I went and talked with her. I don't, I don't even remember what I said, but then 
Um, she ended up making a decision right there, and uh, I didn't know how, how, whether it would she would continue on or, or not. I didn't really see her, but then later, um, I heard about this girl. Kathy told me, my, old, my big sister told me about her, and this girl named Lavette, which is the same one that I had talked to. She said that she had made a choice and to to trust in Christ and. And now she's married to a one of the other one of the Christian boys in our church. They have a good, good godly marriage, and they have a child. And it's really neat to see her going on for the Lord in a godly Christian family. And so then it was it's just that's just a neat story of just how what God can use when we obey Him. And I just had to trust the Lord in that situation. Another time I was out in a choir. And we were waiting for the airplane to come back to pick us up. We were in the hot sun. There's flies everywhere. And, and my sister was playing with all the kids on the airstrip, waiting for the airplane. And this older lady walked by with some, some food on her head, because they always carry things on their head over there. And she was just walking by, and she stopped to watch. So I thought, well, I need to go talk to her. And it was the same thing, a battle. <laughs> I don't want to talk to her. But I finally did. I obeyed, obeyed and went over and talked with her. Um, if I remember right, she actually did make a decision at that point, but then she went on, and I was like, I'll never know whether she was truly saved or whether she really didn't really understand or what. It's like sometimes I just wonder, is it, was it really worth it? But then later, I went back. That was before I went to college. I went to college. I went back in 2017, a couple years later. And Sarah, my sister, told me, t told me that somebody wanted to get a hold of me on the phone. She said, when you get back to Cameroon, call her. So I called her, and it happened to be that lady. Her name was Cynthia, and she said she's looking for a good church to go to, and she just want to thank me for telling her the gospel. And so it's just, it just really neat when you make those choices of obedience. And there's been so many times when I haven't obeyed, and I regret those times, and I just start wondering, wow, what, what could... God have done if I had obeyed in those little situations, little times of obedience. So anyway, that was kind of my growing up years in a very small, <laughs> short, short um, summary. But then in 2014, I ended up going to college, and it kind of started a new season of my life. It was very different <laughs> being in America. And I went through a lot of culture shock, and it was just very difficult. Everyone is so different. They acted different. They talked about different things. And I've been in, in America a lot because of furloughs, but when I came to actually stay and without my parents, it was, it was a big struggle for me. <laughs> but, the, but the Lord gave me the verse, Psalm 37, 5, right before going to college. I began to wonder, because God was using me out there, I began to wonder, is it really God's will for me to go to college? And the Lord gave me that verse, Psalm 37, 5. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. And I realized I could just commit everything to the Lord and follow him. So he brought me to college, and I followed him, obeyed him. And, when I, and then in college, the Lord gave me that verse over and over and over again. Um, there were so many like little tiny things that, I had, that were struggles for me, like even little demerits or... Um, the hard schedule, busy schedule, the Lord just kept bringing that verse back to mind. Just commit it to the Lord, to commit it to 
He was, he was like saying, commit it to me, I'll take care of it, it's okay. <laughs> so I just had to completely, continually give, give my way to the Lord, just commit it to him. And it's neat, commit means the literally, literal meaning to, of commit, it means to roll, to roll all of my burden and everything completely on him, and I don't have it anymore, it's gone. It's on the Lord, and that's kind of gotten me through so much, just giving it to the Lord, committing it. And some other verses that have helped me throughout this past years being here is Psalm 1611, that will show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. And Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. So I acknowledge him and he's the one who directs. So like just giving everything to him and he does it all. <laughs> yeah, so it's been a definitely a learning learning process. There was a couple times I had to really trust the Lord about some things in college. Well, more than a couple times, but a couple times I want to tell you about is there was one time a little small thing. I needed black shoes. And mine were so worn out and I I just felt like I needed more black, different, good black shoes to go to school with. And so I started praying about them. I decided not to tell my parents about it or any, anyone. I just started praying about it. And within the next couple of days, I was just walking down the, the, the parking lot to the church from the dorm. And my parents drive in. And as they drive in, I go around to the car, to, to the car window to see them. And the first thing mom does was, was put out some black shoes right outside the window. And I was like, what? <laughs> She just went and bought me some black shoes, and I never told her about it. So it was just really neat. God just answered that prayer completely. And then a bigger thing to trust the Lord about was um, a mission trip. I really wanted to go on a mission trip. I wanted to go across the seas somewhere, like besides Cameroon, maybe to another country, but those doors never opened. But there was an opportunity to go to Canada with um, my Fraser Fellowship with the college. So I started praying. I didn't have enough money to do that. I just I had to pray for money for actually going to college. I didn't have the money to go to a mission, on a mission trip. So there's a program there that they have where they, um, they get, they, they wash, let's see, the teenagers and the college people, they, they wash people's cars and they get money and then that is, goes towards mission trips. So I helped with that. I went, went and um, helped wash all those cars, a thousand cars in one day, I think it was and earn money for a mission trip. So I got about half that I needed, but I really needed half more, and there was no way possible that I could see that I could get that extra money to go to that mission trip. So I just started praying about it, and the Lord gave me the verse. Um, he, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And I started praying about that, like, Lord, you have, you, you own all the, the cattle on a thousand hills, that's a lot of money. And <laughs> if you want me on this mission trip, you can give me that, that money. So. As I just waited, my, I got an email from my parents and said that, because we have a herd of cows out in Cameroon, and they said that one of our bulls got in a fight with another bull, and it was wounded, so they had to sell it. And then they, they thought that they should just give that money from that bull to April and I for college or for whatever. And so I divided the money between April and I, and the, what I divided, my part, was the exact amount that I needed for that mission trip. <laughs> like, wow, God really does own the cattle on a thousand hills. <laughs> so that was, that was neat, just seeing that God is trustworthy. And there's been so many times when things like that happen and I don't see 
God do something miraculously like that. But those times when I see God work, it's just even those other times when I don't see it, it's like, wow, I can trust the Lord even if I don't see it because he's truly trustworthy. My last year of college, um, there was a lot of hard things that went on, even more so than the other years because that was when the war started in Cameroon. And my whole family started kind of a a whole, they kind of went through a, a, a very big trial and that was when Brother Wesco passed away and all of our family had to escape from our home. That home where it was just, everything was just so free and, and people were so friendly. It's just hard to even imagine that that would happen there. <laughs> but me being on this side of things on, in college during that time, it was very difficult for me because I didn't see, I couldn't see things hap- happening and sometimes they couldn't get the news to us right away. Then the news went to other people and then I heard, started hearing rumors of things about my family and they're in danger and am I ever gonna see them again and are they gonna be killed today or not? It was just, that was just a, a very huge trial and just trying to keep up with my schoolwork and kind of, it was just a very, very intense, um, intense schedule that I had as long as well as the thoughts going through my head with and then the dreams that came it was just a very very difficult time and then there was um, a change of dorm supervisors too I was very close to my dorm supervisor and then that changed and and there's so many hard things and one of my friends was not so close to me as as it had been and just like everything just kind of seemed to be falling apart kind of <laughs> and it was I became pretty discouraged during that time and I graduated, and, and then I, so I thought about going to seminary, but I just didn't know what was next. So that was a huge thing on my mind. What's next, and when, and how? I want to go to the mission field, but when, and how, and just all these things. And it was during those times that the Lord just really had to teach me I can still trust him. And one, one phrase that went through my mind is, when I can't trace God's hand, I can trust his word. And... The Lord really helped me to trust him. But then there, um, instead of going to seminary, the Lord led me completely away from that to go to BBTI in Texas, Baptist Bible Translators Institute. And that was a hard choice for me, but my parents wanted me to go, and I decided, okay, I'm just going to trust them. And that was a big choice for me just to obey my parents and go, go there to the Bible Translators Institute. I'm so glad I went. The Lord taught me so much there. And he led me to some... There were some other students there, too, that really invested in my life a lot. And um, I, they led me to really meeting with the Lord daily. And that's really what brought me through, is meeting with the Lord and having such a fellowship with him more than ever before. Because I longed for that so much. Even during those times of discouragement, I longed. That was probably the biggest thing of all of them. I just longed for that fellowship with the Lord. And... I started really meeting with the Lord like never before there at BBTI, and he, it was just such a joyful time. He, he just showed me so much as I met with him like a friend and got to know him for who he was and his love for me. And I realized, wow, God really, truly does love me, even if I can't see what God has for me next. He, he loves me so much, and I can trust him. He's very trustworthy. It was during that time that the Lord started bringing my mind to death missions as well. And I had had a burden for missions. And then there in college, the Lord led me to having such a burden for unreached people groups. 
and then here the Lord was leading me to deaf missions, and I surrendered to that. I started really focusing on that. I really put everything I had into learning sign language and reaching out to those people, and I got such a burden for them. And then after that, I went back to Wisconsin, got involved with the deaf ministry there, and um, I guess there were some things in between that too. I ended up going to French class for seven weeks with my parents and continued meeting with the Lord daily, and it was just it's so neat going through every season meeting with the Lord, and it just completely changed my perspective on life. And that's really, if you're having struggles with trusting the Lord, it's just if you're meeting with him, that will come along. <laughs> I can trust the Lord. Um, I ended up going to the French class again because um, the, some other missionaries were going, and I went and babysat their kids. And then the last couple years, or the last year of my life, I was at Wisconsin again with the, with the deaf ministry and taking care of a 92-year-old lady. And that was interesting because I had prepared, I'd gone to college, gone to Translators Institute, prepared, all prepared to go to the mission field. And then I started getting invitations even to go to different places and teach because I, I majored in education in college. So I was getting invitations to teach, also getting invitations to go to different countries to teach, to start deaf ministries. And I was thinking about Papua New Guinea. That was kind of a big thing on my mind, maybe going there and teaching, starting a deaf ministry. And the Lord just kept closing every door. And instead, I was there in America, in <laughs> Wisconsin, as a 92-year-old lady helping her with daily life. And, and that was, was like, wow, what is, what is the Lord doing? <laughs> it was difficult for me just to be there in one house for a long time. But I'm really glad I had that opportunity because the Lord built, really built, built me during that time. And I, I studied a lot. I was doing an institute class online, a Bible institute class. And the Lord used that to really deepen my, my roots in the word of God and really trust his word. And, and it really just helped my whole understanding of the Bible too. And I'm very thankful for that time. Um, and then there was one day that I finally decided, well, there was all these opportunities that were all closing, and I decided, well, maybe God just wants me to stay in America. Maybe he just wants me to stay there in Wisconsin, help with the deaf ministry, and, and just be there like a, mission, like a missionary, just kind of there in, at home. So I finally surrendered to that with tears, like, okay. I surrendered to staying in the States <laughs> the rest of my life. It was a complete surrender, and it was not very long after that. Or during that same time, I can't remember exactly, I got the email from my dad saying that he'd like me to come back out to Cameroon sometime. So I started planning for that. I didn't know. I had so many questions. Why would I go out to Cameroon like right now? And they needed me there with Mrs. Mrs. Blanton too. And I just surrendered to staying and now I'm on my way to Cameroon. <laughs> so I'm really glad I went though because it changed my life. <laughs> we were there and I think it was the second day. My dad took me out in the mountains because I, I missed, I love the mountains. I missed it a lot. And my dad took me up there, and it was the, we stopped for a picnic. And I thought, well, now I can ask my dad all my questions and get them all answered. Because the, the last times I was answering, they were kind of, kind of going around and not really answering my questions. And and I thought, well, I'm just going to get them answered. And then finally, he said, well, there's somebody interested in you. <laughs> I was like, what? Who? <laughs> he said, Matthew Reisinger. And I don't think I said anything at that point. I just started taking it all in. And all the questions I had all came, it was like a puzzle, all coming together in one 
like, oh, that makes sense. <laughs> so long story short, we started corresponding over email, and when I got back here, we started courting. We um, got together quite often. I came here for a week. None of you knew it. I was just at their house, and, and then they came. He, he came to Iowa for a week to my parents' place. And then we just spent a lot of time, and then May 15th we were engaged, and July 2nd we were married, and it's been wonderful. <laughs> so just, and even throughout this process of, of trusting the Lord with whether this is the right thing, this marriage or not, the Lord kept bringing me that same verse back, Psalm 37, 5, commit thy way unto the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. And that's just been a, a really really helpful verse to me because it's just committing it to the Lord and, and following in his way. Um, there's one more passage maybe I would like to share with you. The Lord really encouraged me with. And through it, he's also taught me a lot about himself and his love and how I can really trust him. And that is Psalm 23. And it's a very known psalm. But it's kind of gone through my mind a lot, even this last few, the past few years. The Lord has kind of been showing me different parts of it and helping me to, to, to think about it a lot more, like the Lord is my shepherd and how he loves me through it. There was one time, like the first time I think it really stood out to me was I was out in a choir before college. And I was hiking, we were hiking, this, we, we were hiking several days and we were so tired and there were like, Sometimes when we hike, if there's a big group of us, some of us kind of get behind and some of us kind of get ahead. And somehow, sometimes I end up right in the middle. <laughs> and so this one time, the people behind were kind of struggling. They needed the people ahead to wait for them. So the people I was with, they, she, my sister, ran ahead to tell the other people to wait. And here I was by myself. And so I just kept on walking. That's okay. It's just a, just a path. I just followed the path. Well, there was one way. I was just by myself. It was, a, it was just like basically all these woods around, and, and, and there was one way that it was possible to go the other way, like a fork in the road. And then I thought, well, I'm sure it's this way. So I just kept on going. And then I thought, I just kept going and going and going. And I thought, well, maybe it was the wrong way. Maybe, maybe, maybe I'm in the wrong path. And didn't hear anything, just the birds. It's so, so quiet. And then I started getting nervous. Like, really? Am I, Am I lost <laughs> out here in this huge jungle? It's really bad if you get lost out in that, in that jungle. And so I just started quoting Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. And he, just can't, he just gave me such confidence in him at that time. And then I realized, oh, I can whistle, because I can whistle pretty loud. And my sisters would go back and forth. We have whistle language and all that. And so I started whistling, and I heard them in the distance. And I kept going, and it was the right path. So it was all fine. <laughs> but the Lord used that in my life, that, um, this psalm. So I'm going to read the psalm to you. And then, um, but there were, just recently, the Lord showed me from each phrase a different, uh, different, different thing that, that really meant a lot to me. So I'll read the phrase and then what I wrote down as, as what God showed me as it really, really meant a lot to me. So the Lord is my shepherd, and I wrote, he cares. He, I shall not want. He is all we need. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He gives peace and rest. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He leads me by my hand. And the still waters has really been a... Um, 
encouragement to me too because I think about the living water and and there was one time I thought about an illustration out in a quiet I end up hiking a lot of times with just a little water bottle and I probably should have had a lot more water but for me I just end up having this little little, little bottle and hike all day on, on a little bottle of water and I just drink little sips at a time and make it last and um, I was thinking about that and the, and thinking about the living water and I realized wow that's living water is not like that I don't have to like try to keep just a little bit for my like and and let me make it try to make it last but the living water is like it's like a a stream flowing uh, gushing out with lots of of water and it's always there right beside us and we can drink from it anytime and I was thinking about that even with spending time with the Lord sometimes if I end up spending time with the Lord just like one time in a week it's like I have to hang on to that a little bit that I that I got from the Bible and really and try to survive spiritually but if but I don't have to do that I can spend time with the Lord every single day and have as much as I want and that's just really it, it, it really changes changes how you live if you're just spending that time all the time with that living water. So I was thinking about that with the still waters. He leaves me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He brings me back to walking with him. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He enables, enables me to do what he wants in his right way and timing for his own purpose. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. He gives confidence in hard times, removing fear, because he is with us. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. He corrects me in order to bring me back to the place of blessing. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. He gives life, joy, and provision, even with spiritual enemies around. I really like that verse. It just, it just makes me laugh sometimes. Like, he prepares me a table in the presence of my enemies. They're all around, but they can't do anything about it <laughs> because I have the Lord. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. He chooses to use me, giving great joy in everything I need to live spirit-filled. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. He is always good and always merciful. And it's neat to know that they're always with me, <laughs> goodness and mercy. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He brings me to unending communion with him. And that's really special because I think about when I'm going to heaven one day to be with, to dwell in the house of the Lord. But really even here and now I can be in communion with the Lord daily. And that's what brings me to complete trust in the Lord throughout anything. And that, so that chapter really just seems to show the Lord's heart for us, for his people for his sheep, and he and reveals a lot of love. And when I really know God's love and really focus on who he is through these chapters, it really just deepens my trust in him. So God is trustworthy. <laughs> he truly cares and loves. And Like I said at the beginning, I'm still on this journey, but um, there's, so much, there's so much more to learn. There's always, always more to learn. But especially as we head to the mission field, where I'm really excited to meet how God is, what God has done, and now I'm heading to the mission field, just like I had a burden for and a desire for, and the Lord had to do a lot in my life, and now bringing, to, it's just amazing to me. It's hard for me to take it in. Like now I'm heading to the mission field. I, I know it's not always going to be easy, but it's neat that we can just know that he's trustworthy throughout anything we go through, 
it's not always easy on the mission field, as you all know, like the, the trial we went through and such, it's, it's not going to be easy. But God's trustworthy. And I know a lot of you have gone through a lot of trials too, and, but he's trustworthy even through, even here, <laughs> in the little daily things of life. So as we go, please pray for us. <laughs> Pray for me as a missionary wife. I've been on the mission field as an MK, missionary kid, but never as a missionary wife. <laughs> so pray for me. And we, as missionaries, we really, really like to hear from our supporting churches, too. Growing up, even as a child, I wanted to know what was going on here. There was sometimes I would, th- I would think, we're the only one in the whole, ones in the whole world who really believe this as a little child. And that wasn't, that wasn't true. <laughs> wasn't true. There's so many people here that believe the same things as we do. But over there, it's just like you're in your own little place and you never hear a lot from people here. So anyway, let us know how you're all doing too. (laughs) Um, Is there any questions that anyone would like to ask? What's that? We don't have a specific place. We know we want to go to either Central or Western Africa. We have like three different places we're thinking about, Ghana, Burkina Faso, or Cameroon. And we don't, we're still seeking the Lord exactly which place or if there's another place. Mm-hmm. Any other questions? That one we just get in the market there in Cameroon. We have other instruments in our own house. Um, pretty much, I think just about all of us kids, we play a different instrument. I play clarinet. Um, but there's other instruments out in Cameroon they use like like tribal kind of in- instruments. Like there's like a shaker that they use and different ones, but we haven't really gotten into those instruments. <laughs> We, we've, we've taught some, like, re, the recorder. They have this, they have a recorder out there, too, at, in, a ba- in bamboo. But it's a lot of, like, kind of out of tune. So we just get the normal recorders from here, and we like to teach the people there. And then um, we've kind of had a desire to teach them flute and violin and different ones like that. We never really got into them doing that professionally. But some of them can play recorder, the people in the church. Does that answer your question? Good. <laughs> All right. Anyone else? We have like five minutes. Yes. Yes, my twin sister April. She is in Wisconsin right now, um, working at a flag store, and they basically reimburse flags. So it's not like they don't usually sew their own, but people send them to them and then they like hem it and, and all that. I don't know all of everything that they do, but she's there. She's also helping with um, counseling. Um, Bill, there's a young girl she's really reaching out to and really focusing her attention on, on that. And she's helped with the RU ministry, the Reformers Unanimous, and just helping wherever she can at the church there. 
Uh, fluently, I speak three, I think, English, pidgin English, and, and then sign language. But then I've also worked on full, full day, probably know like half of it, just along, just enough to get myself into some dangerous places <laughs> speaking. <laughs> and then I'm working on French. <laughs> yes? Which language do you speak in Cameroon? Is that your question? Well, there's like, what is it, 350 languages in Cameroon? And the, but the two, the two main ones is English and French. So that we grew up in the French part, I mean the English part, so we spoke like a kind of a British English. But then, and also Pidgin English. So there's a lot of other languages like Babanki and Fofolde and uh, Menka language. There's all these different ones, but most of them speak Pidgin English to each other. So when we learn that one, we can basically speak with anybody. So that, that's the one we basically got along with, is Pidgin English. And then now we're in the French part, so we're, we're all working on French. <laughs> yes, Kelly? Pidgin English? <laughs> um, it's kind of basically started with just a lot of different languages kind of coming together into one, but it's very close to English. Like how, if, like how are you would be how for you. And I can say John 3.16 in, in, in Pidgin English. God beloved grants te ibigi wan pikin se any man we gi hakui no go die lost but go get life and no go ever finish. So <laughs> maybe you heard some few words like finish, the same finish. But, so it's very close to English but it's different. Pidgin English, or yeah, mostly Pidgin English, but sometimes the, our pastor, the, the one that we grew up in, he used to, sometimes just goes to normal English because they learn English in the schools, which even their normal English is not quite like ours because sometimes I would talk with April just in our normal English, like American English, and they were like, what language are you speaking? <laughs> They, but for them, they have to. We have to speak it very clearly and um, and articulate each of the continents and vowels. Mm -hmm. So, like, how are you? They'd be how are you? It's different, but it's the same words. <laughs> well, I think we'll be done. <laughs> Thank you for listening. That was kind of fun even though I was nervous. <laughs> All right. Thank you.